want to start like you want to like okay i'm gonna start taking my own improvement to be better as a leader seriously what would your first step for them be it's not easy but nothing worth it really is and if you make the so far as i'm concerned for anyone listening still if you're in a position where you're willing to change the life you have because you want to be a better version of yourself you can do it What's going on, my fellow Summit Chasers, and welcome to another episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. And this one came as a bit of a surprise because actually we had the intention of having him on our newer segment of the podcast, the Startup Success Series, but we ended up having much more to talk about, like understanding stress and how stress can be used to increase performance, leadership, culture, and some amazing tips on how to not just find out what your purpose may be, but actually take action on it. So sit back, get your notebooks out, grab some carrot juice and maybe some Triscuits and pepper jack cheese and enjoy the episode. Keith, thank you so much for joining me on uh, the show today. It's really, really excited to have you. Again, like I was just saying before this, I was going to actually have you on our other segment and then I was doing some research on you last night and this morning. I was like, I want to have a much longer conversation with you. So I want to thank you for being here, Keith. My pleasure, Zach. My pleasure. Beautiful. I was going through uh, the bio, I think, on your website, and there's a couple books that you you mentioned on there, and I'll, I'll let you you bring those up that were early on, uh, like th- they've obviously left an impact on you, right? What's been your inspiration to kind of get to where you are today, and and what what whether it's books or mentors, or whatever it is, has kind of left that impact on you? Uh, that might be one of the better questions uh, to kick off a, uh, a conversation in a while. Um, so you. The books you're probably referring to are like How to Win Friends and Influence People, Think and Grow Rich, right? Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the books and the ideas and the people that have influenced me the most are the people that recognize and then share that the world is yours to create. And yes, mm-hmm. people like the luckiest day of your life is the day you were born. And there's a lot of obstacles that a lot of people Uh, can either overcome and sometimes it's harder than that. But for the most part, anyone listening to this podcast should be well on their way to creating a life that they feel is worth living. It's precisely what I decided to do. Um, And it's proven to be the most fun life I could come up with. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like the big takeaway is you could do what you want if you put your mind to it. No, and I, I absolutely love that because a, a lot of people, and this is like a lot of the premise for, for a lot of our, our clients and the people that we speak to is early on in our life, we put ourselves in shackles or we buy into shackles that are given to us. So we get labeled almost like, hey, you're going to be, this is all you can be good at, or you didn't do this, therefore this lane is now closed to you. So I love the sentiment that you just gave, which is it's yours to create. It's yours. So don't, don't, don't buy into any of that stuff. If you want to create it, go create it. Well, I think there's something to be said for awareness. I don't know how many people know that they have options. I think it's easier said than done, to be honest with you. I know a lot of great people that do really good work, bitch about their job, complain about the way life is, and they sincerely feel good about that. Like it's, and I don't, I'm not inside of their head. And, and, and even still, like some people, that I know that are consistently moving towards their own self-imposed goals. Well, every goal comes with a challenge, right? So it's, it's not always easy. I mean, I know for a fact, it's not easy to do things your own way as compared to 
having other people tell you where to go, where to step, what to say, what to think, all that stuff. I'm getting older and wiser. I've got, I've, I've grown out a beard and I never did that before and it's all white. So maybe a, I'm paying attention to things a little more. <laughs> Maybe. Well, Wiser's right. Because I, I was looking on your, obviously, I was on your LinkedIn. You can, everybody can see that. And then, uh, and then you come on here and I'm like, oh, yeah, you look wise. You got, you got the Gandalf, Gandalf appearance. I like it. I like it very, I like it a lot, actually. Um, so, what, so obviously, you, you created your own path. So, what has that path been for you? So, what, what do you currently do? Give us a tidbit on how you're, you're, you're making your impact right now. Yeah, thanks. So, so I got into software sales in 2006. And I spent a lot of time inside of the HR tech world. And by the time I left the HR tech world, I'd gone through recruitment. And I even spent a little bit of time running a staffing agency in between software positions. And what I started to notice was that people were working very, very hard and they were very, very unhappy. And at the time I was really coming to terms with this and learning this, I was going through a divorce one of those guys that happens to be the one who has the kids 80% of the time. So I was really busting my ass, but my focus, what I wanted to do was make sure my kids were okay. And as it turns out, because I was focused on my kids and my career came second, I really didn't pay attention to how hard it was to be in recruiting and run a staffing agency. And I, I was just simply going out there and meeting people over and over and over again. And I met business owners. I met warehouse workers. I, I went across all industries. And prior to that, I probably sold software to 50-person companies and 50,000-person companies. Mm -hmm. So I know software doesn't make life easier. It just makes it mm -hmm. easier for you to do more work, right? So mm -hmm. I started to get a sense that most people were trying to get work-life balance but they were anything but they were anything but balanced. And if you ask them what work-life balance was, they would tell you they have no idea because they're anything but balanced. And so I started to recognize that I was focusing on what I wanted to do. Yeah. The hard work of my my career momentum so far was able to secure me a job that took care of my bills because that's a very, very important part about discovering your career path. You have to take money seriously, but you don't need as much as you think. So you mm -hmm. could bob and weave and you could figure out ways where you could pay your bills, but follow your passion. That is a very real option for a lot of people these days. And so I started to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I started to recognize the life that I wanted post-divorce had a lot more to do with helping people recognize that they could create a life that they wanted. And because I hate hypocrisy and because I absolutely cannot stand the way most people go through their sales profession, talking about sales, talking about sales, but just not selling. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I just mentioned this on my post yesterday, LinkedIn. I stopped, stopped being on LinkedIn because I got bothered by how much talk was going on and not enough action. And mm -hmm. so I really decided like for the, well before last year, but for five years, I've been working on accomplishing my goals. I've been putting in the time, I've been putting in the work. And, you know, prior to coming to Accounted For, uh, this last August, I was working with a, a software startup company um, that had two, like two employees, the founders. I, I, I approached one of the founders, gave them an idea, and then they said they loved it. 
And from there, I was able to control my, this, this was what let me leave the recruiting world. So I didn't burn out. Uh, I was able to find a software job that allowed me to cover my bills, build a network, focus on my kids, have fun and move in the direction that I wanted to be in. And at the very same time I was working, I started advising the founder of Accounted For. He's a colleague of mine from uh, my uh, earlier sales career. And I, I, I watched him grow his company. And by the time the end of the year came, we have six employees. Uh, we're growing. We've got every, uh, all the boxes are checking in terms of, we're checking all the boxes in terms of things that we want to have happen for future success. We've got a viable product. We've got revenue. Uh, and it's my vehicle to the next level, right? So it's, it's really, I, I, I mentioned how I shut off my LinkedIn activity because what I, what I really wanted to do was prove to myself that I could do the work yeah. and, then, and then get to a place where, listen, I'm not on easy street. None of this is easy, but I am enjoying it a lot. I am challenged and I am enjoying the opportunity. So there's, there's something that you, some information that you gave us before coming on the show and I want to read it here. And I kind of, I feel like this would be a good segue into it, but you said, I'm an advocate for what you call life work integration mindset. It has to do with turning stress into a competitive advantage. Yeah. Can you, can you break that down for me? Cause I, I, my, what I understand of that, I absolutely love that, but I'd love to hear your, your breakdown yeah. of that. Yeah. So I, going back to those recruiting days, the whole work-life balance thing was wonky to me. Every, nobody was happy. Nobody I talked to was happy. They could be making money. They could be poor. They could be bored. They could be too busy. But nobody was really happy. Mm -hmm. I was happy. It was interesting. I noticed I wasn't unhappy. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because I started to develop life work integration as my own philosophical practice. Mm -hmm. And that is to say that I put my life in front of my work because I felt it was more important. And because I'm a software guy, I could tell you that integration is the free flowing exchange of energy and ideas between at least two systems. Mm -hmm. And so you can't live a life without stress. You, we have to have stress. And, and my favorite metaphor is the metaphor of, of music, of instruments. Mm -hmm. We look at the way guitars and drums and pretty much all instruments are bent and stretched and pulled and then if they're done the right way, if the stress is perfectly aligned, beautiful music is made. And mm -hmm. anybody with two ears and can hear will notice the difference between finely tuned stress and a, an instrument that's out of tune. And so I looked at turning stress into a competitive advantage as being the, the differentiator, like looking at stress that you create, not having external factors move you, you take it amongst yourself to decide what stress levels you're going to go after and you move uh, in that direction. And, and one thought I'll share with you that I think it plays more and more into my own journey is that the opposite of stress is not no stress. Mm -hmm. So far as I'm concerned, the opposite of stress is creativity. And so the more stressed you have, the less creative you are because your mind just focuses differently. I've experienced it, right? And that's the part I think most people aren't familiar with. I think most people are think that the opposite of stress is no stress, mm -hmm. but that's dead. There's nothing there when there's no stress, right? Mm -hmm. You might be relaxed, 
but most people I know can only be relaxed for so long before they get bored. Mm-hmm. That's a, it kind of reminds me of the concept of like the flow state, right? And you need certain things to enter that flow state, which is you performing optimally. And one of those things is performing a action or whatever it is, doing something that's slightly above your current skill level. Okay. Therefore it requires you to you to perform at your top. If, if we can kind of segue those two together is that you need some form of stress. You need some stress, but you need to be proactively initiating the stress, not stress externally exter- uh, put on you. Yeah. I, I, I'll share this with you. And um, folks, there was no discussion prior to the camera going on about talking about this. This is really in flow, as I like to say, uh, to move from a work-life balance to a life-work integration mindset requires, so far as I'm concerned, a few steps. Everyone starts off with not knowing what they want. And, and for the most part, most people, if you were to ask them what they truly want out of a life they feel is worth living, they're going to tell you they don't know. They're going to give you some sort of cliche about happy wife, happy life or something like that, right? Like, So phase one is recognizing that you don't know what you want. And how do we do that? Well, as it turns out, again, I'm a little guilty of this because I'm a human. But if you really want to find out what you want out of life, you're going to have to learn a lot about what you don't want. And so phase two is I don't know what I want. Come to terms with the things you just don't want. And you flip the other side of the coin and that gets you to I know what I do want. And you know what everybody wants? They want to feel their best and they want to perform their best. And that's how you describe flow. Mm. And flow is absolutely a part of all of this. My dog is coming over here. Okay. It's always a part of accomplishing your goals because when you have, the, when you feel your best and you perform your best, you can do anything. That's how gold medals are won. That's how championships are won. That's how mostly everything that's ever incredible takes place because the person is in flow and the things that happen to our brain, how it shuts off the ego Mm -hmm. and allows your prefrontal cortex to open. That's the front part of your brain to open up and see things differently. And that's key. You actually will process the information in front of you on a more friendly, welcoming, creative uh, process, systematic process versus the survival fight or flight radar satellite that we all have, which is stress-based. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would you, so this is a great topic, I think, for a lot of leaders. So leaders are always looking, how can I get my team to perform at their best? Yeah. So uh, yeah. from a leadership perspective, what, what would be your first steps to getting that out of your team, putting them in flow state, getting them to the peak performance state? Well, kind of goes back to the reason why I stopped talking on LinkedIn. You've got to do it yourself. You want like what the leaders out there don't like hearing is that they got to get off their ass. And if they and here's the key, Zach, if they want to change, they have to be the change. They have to be the example. They have to understand that to demonstrate any kind of environmental change. Change comes from within. One of my one of my fun little mantras that I put together when I put together life work integration was that the health 
of any organization is inherently tied to the health of the organisms working within it. That could be a company and that could, it's the same for our bodies, right? So the actual health of the leader comes from within and they have to see themselves in a scenario first before they get anyone else in there. And that's where I think most of corporate America has fallen completely flat on in the last, Mm -hmm. let's call it COVID post COVID years. Mm -hmm. Everybody is talking about needing leaders, but they just use that as like, nobody's putting very few companies so far as I know are putting the proper amount of resources towards developing their leaders. They're just asking their bosses and managers to do more with whatever chaos comes up the next week. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to answer your question, they have to want to change so that they could be the example of what it means to change. Mm -hmm. Until they do that, no one's going to follow them. That's so important. That is so important because whether you're, you're a business owner or you're a manager on a team within a corporation, like your team cannot outperform you. Like you are the ceiling to which your team can kind of perform in. So if you're not doing the stuff, if you're not improving yourself, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not leading by example, they can't, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible for them to grow past you. So if you're a business owner, you're always going to be the ceiling. Your business can't grow past, right? So, and, and that's a tough question. Like you said, there's egos, there's egos involved, especially if you're in a leadership title, right? Which is like the lowest form of leadership is just by title. You like you, you think you don't have to improve or, or at least your ego doesn't let you admit to yourself that you have to improve. So yeah. what would you so go ahead? No, no, go ahead. Ask your question. What would your, so let's say you're, you're, you're somebody, you're, you're a leader and you just want to start, like you want to like, okay, I'm going to start taking my own improvement to be better as a leader. Seriously. What would your first step for them be? Yeah. So the first question, uh, so I'm a sales guy, right? So I love questions. I love the art of questioning. And it's always about the, the here's a theory, right? It's always about the question. It's really not about the answer. If you allow yourself to think you have the answer, well, you have just removed the universe of potential, right? So yes, there comes a time where you make a decision And then you move forward. But the fundamental part of the process is ask yourself, what do I sincerely want out of a life that I want to live? That's the question. And then the next question is like, whatever that answer is, write it down. And then ask yourself, why? Why is that my answer? And then ask yourself, why to the next answer? And this is something that, as funny as this may sound, based off of the way we started on this conversation, I there was a time in my life where I would reread How to Win Friends and Influence People. And then, you know, got busy, had two kids, all that good stuff. I went back to it after I went through life work integration, building out these questions. And sure enough, inside of How to Win Friends and Influence People, there's the five whys. If you ask yourself why five times, Okay, so the question number one, what do I sincerely want out of a life I feel is worth living? The answer to that question is going to be very different than compared to the answer to the fifth why, mm-hmm. right? So now you have a deeper understanding of what it is that you're actually 
interested in becoming? And then the next question is, what did you learn? Right. And that could that could be like a very eye opening perspective. I, I learned that I actually don't want to be a teacher anymore or I learned that I don't want to be uh, married anymore. Believe me, I've had clients that like it, this kind of stuff really opens up the opportunities to be happier. And then from there, the question is, what's the specific next step? Again, because I, <laughs> there's something about people talking about stuff that drives me nuts. Yeah. Action has to follow ideas. Mm-hmm. So yes, for one question, I gave you, I gave you a few. No, that's that's amazing. That's, I think so many. And again, we're we're speaking to a lot of business owners here, and I think that is so important for them to be really, really clear in that because then it lets you know, or it gives you a better idea. Okay, what type of company do I want to create? Like, what do I really want to create out of this? Like, what what what's the aftermath? And a lot of them don't don't they've never even thought to ask that question let alone let it drive decisions that they make. Cause if you're, if you're somebody who just, I just want to run a small family business, your decisions you're going to make and the people you bring on the, how you, you know, diversify your revenue streams, all that kind of stuff. It's going to, you're going to, if you don't ask that question or sorry, when you answer that question, those decisions are going to be to get that, to get that result. But if you, if you don't even ask the question, you might end up with something you don't even want. And then a life that you don't want, and then you're miserable and then everybody around you is miserable. Have you ever heard of that in 2024? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and and, uh, and dude, life is amazing. Like there, there's so much to do and there's so much to be happy for. And, and here's a fun fact. I, I don't really watch the news. I haven't watched the news since 2011. Like zero. Good. Uh, my girlfriend doesn't like it because she thinks that it, Sometimes it makes it sound like I don't know what's going on. And for what it's worth, she's right. I really don't know what's going on in most of the world. But that's because I'm busy creating mine. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's the idea of turning stress into a competitive advantage. If you could reduce your stress, which is basically what the news is anymore, mm-hmm. you're able to increase creativity to find a path that will take you to the place you want to go. Mm-hmm. So kind of going back to see so you, you working with like a recruiting agency, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I saw some of the, the work done on your website where some of um, what you, you, you work with a lot of leaders and, and hiring and all that kind of stuff is a big part of it. So, you know, who you bring on the bus, so to speak, how, when you're clear, so you, you go through that, that line of questioning, which I absolutely am a huge fan of now, by the way, Keith. Uh, you, you go through that line of questioning, you're really, really clear. How do you take those answers now that you're really clear on where you want to go and what type of business you want to create? How do you go and take that and pertain it? And uh, I guess I don't know if customize is the right word, but how do you use that? And how do you go and source the right people to bring on to that bus that you've so well defined now? You're talking about hiring and recruitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like bring, yeah. bringing, bringing the people on that, that would be a good match. That would be a good yeah, fit. So, so the, the number one thing to sell, the number one thing to sell if you have a business is your culture mm-hmm. is your people and so what you really should be focusing on is do i provide an environment that allows people to thrive in the roles that i've given them and if the answer is yes tell the entire world market your culture like you're marketing the best biggest product or service you've ever launched Because if you can build a company that's got cult-like culture, you could do anything because you've got the people. 
And that, again, goes back to something you touched on earlier about how do you get a leader to change? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, and earlier than still, you asked about books. Peter Drucker. I don't I can't remember the last time somebody mentioned Peter Drucker, but everyone in business should understand that this man invented modern management. And there are parts of like throughout his career, I remember reading about how he was referred to as an insultant, not a consult, not a consultant, because he would sit in front of board of directors for at the time, the largest companies in the world, international governments, and he would berate them and make fun of them for thinking their job was to build a product or a service versus a culture. So the answer is no, you don't have the kind of culture that is consistently challenging themselves and moving your company forward. Stop everything you're doing and focus on doing that. A hundred percent. What was that? That was his quote where culture beats product or culture. I can't remember what, culture what the eats culture beats strategy for breakfast, Eat strategy for breakfast. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, yeah. I love that. I can't believe I forgot it. It feels stupid, but yeah, it's amazing. And in the heat, um, the Jim Collins, I'm a big Jim Collins fan too. And he took a lot of that, uh, yeah. from, from Peter, like Peter was, he was a mentor to Jim. Like they, oh, yeah. he got a lot from yeah. it. So, and, and, when that's why I smiled, uh, it's because that that cult like culture. That's uh, I believe that's in good to greater. I can't remember if it's good to greater built to last. Um, but well, I think speaking, that's go ahead, go ahead. Speaking of built to last, what are the the two core principles he has in there? Is stimulate progress and protect the core. Preserve the core, mm -hmm. right? As a human, you should be stimulating your progress and protecting what matters to you the most. Mm -hmm. Right, like to me. The big opportunity that's out there for anyone listening to this is that they can take control of themselves. And this ties into maybe uh, where we were going anyway. But one of the things that I learned about myself when I went through the divorce was that I really had a hard time asking for help. Mm -hmm. Most people that are in some sort of leadership position, whether they're a mom, whether they're a manager, whether they own a business, they're the ones that generally help others. And so it might not be very easy for individuals to ask for help. And that's where coaching comes in. And that's where colleagues come in. That's where being vulnerable comes in. Like there are too many people out there that think that they can't, they could do everything on their own. And the answer is no one ever has done anything on their own in business or in life. No, we're raise a family. The, the whole, it takes a village thing pertains to a lot more than raising a, a child. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I, that, that concept. So going back to kind of stimulating progress and preserving the core, like I, that sentiment is so powerful and it's, it's missed because then you, when you work with some of these, these companies or, or teams or whatever it is, cause a lot of companies, big organizations, like they have a separate team culture, right. Or, or department culture, whatever it is. But they think if they have that core and, and they need a fight to preserve it, it's stimular, it, it stifles their ability to be innovative, to make changes, but it actually allows you to be more fluid because you have this strong foundation that you can build upon. Right. I, I think yeah. a lot of them miss that. They think, okay, we have core values. We have these business principles. We can only dress like this or whatever, whatever your, your business principles are, they're yours. But it, they think it, it stifles their ability to, to change in the future. It doesn't. It, it gives you the ability. It gives you that foundation, like a pyramid to build on. Yeah. And um, it goes back to culture. Um, 
Um, it comes back to the idea of what a leader is doing inside of a business. In sales, which is the, the micro world that I grew up in, the best leaders I ever had understood that change happens all the time. They kept their cool. They went through the motions of process. And then they would leave the sales rep alone to do their thing. And maybe in sales, there's an artistic expression that doesn't exist in other career paths. I'll, I could challenge that just as much. But my point is, is that the business leaders that are recognizing skill sets like adaptability, creativity, these are skills. These are not woo-woo facts or statements. These are actual skill sets that you, as the employer, will reap incredible return on investment with if you take, choose to invest in your people, mm. right? Like, what's the phrase somebody says, like, a resource is, uh, capital is an investment, like human capital, like something along the lines of your human capital is an investment, invest in your people, some, some yeah, shit like, like that. Yeah, like it's going to be the biggest return. Yeah, your people have the biggest return on, on your investment. <laughs> type of yep. thing and then that's that's any anything and i think that's more true now and i think uh, some people are almost backing away from that sentiment because of you know ai and the way technology is these days but i think it's even more important now so there's another another book i'm a big fan of whether you've read it or not if you haven't i suggest it is uh, the no rules rules by reed hastings he's the former ceo of netflix so he he spoke on if you have a company of 50 people right and you at some point you you hit kind of a rapid growth you know, time frame, whatever it is. And, and you just, you kind of got stuck in that, you know, the warm body syndrome where you're just throwing people in. You went from 30 to 50 and those, those 20 were hired in a week or two weeks, whatever it is. Right. Well, what, what he's, he's saying is that you could operate at a higher level by being more picky and operate with 25 rather than 50 overpay those people, but be really, really picky and focus on talent density. Yeah. Right. And really invest in those people. Because, yeah, okay, we might need less people to run a company. That means that those 10 on your team, each one is so much more important. So you have to be constantly investing in them and constantly and in your leaders to invest in them and, and pay them, pay them above market market rate. Yep. Or recognize, yes, everybody wants to get paid. However, it might not be that expensive. A good example might be, at Accounted For, which is the startup that got us talking in the first place, right? The one that I'm with. It, we have a handful of employees that once a month we we bought a Dragon Master and they play Dungeons and Dragons, right? Guess what they love the most? They love having fun and playing Dungeons and Dragons. So why on earth would we not give them something that they could enjoy? Right. It, it, how many other companies do you know there? There, I'm sure there are others, but how many companies do you know do that? And we're a startup. It's not like we have a big budget that we could drop into employee culture, mm -hmm. but there's something to it. No, a hundred percent. Well, and, that, and that's like the if, if you've ever read any of Robert Cialdini's work, you know, the, of the influence, like what's important to every what's important to somebody is not important to everybody. So like somebody might, I just, what's really important for me is more numbers in my bank account so I can take care of my family. Or some people it's, 
I want a place to work where they're willing to invest in me and my future and let me have fun. Right. Yeah. And, and that, and that customization of like, okay, what's a game that you, whatever your name is that you really like, like, what do you like to do? And then you do that specific thing. Right. So if it's Dungeons and Dragons or you bring in a PlayStation or whatever, whatever it is for you, but that, that customization, that feeling of like, I'm heard, I'm an individual and they're investing in me, not in the e the ethos sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and here's something. So accounted for is like a, a virtual fractional CFO business coach that we leverage our own software with so that business owners can actually see their real time cash flow and We've been accused of producing crystal balls so they could see the future in terms of predictive analytics and forecasting, right? I say that because here we are talking about culture, but you know what else Peter Drucker said? Give them exactly what they, let them know what their job is. Make sure they know their job and remind them what their job is so they have clear understanding about their responsibilities and then your job is to get everything out of the way that's keeping them from accomplishing that that's the other part you got to have processes in place regardless of the industry you got to have the right processes in place if you are actually going to make change in other words increase and grow your company because the company that grows the company that started today and then grows in a year, they're two different companies. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a process that brings someone to the future. If not, you're going to have a bunch of people that are happy to be working there, but they might not be accomplishing the goal. No, Whether they pass or fail, it should never be a surprise to them. Like they should know absolutely what's a pass, what's a fail, what's exceptional, what's fallen behind. And the very clear, very clear expectations on top yeah. of that. Right. And that's it, like, it's, it's funny because you get so stuck on like one, almost like discipline, like one discipline. So I used to fight professionally. Right. So then you, you, back in the day in mixed martial arts, you'd get guys who they're very good at boxing, but they weren't good at wrestling. So it was really clear, like, OK, I need to wrestle this guy or whatever it is. But they're very one event, one dimensional. Right. And then same thing when, when you look at, OK, I want to create a great business. So I just need to focus on culture or I just need to focus on data analytics, or I just need to focus on that, or just my product, or blah, 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 just this. It has to, it, it's everything. And that's what's so overwhelming, that every, it's a whole ball of wax, this is a Jim Collins, it's the whole ball of wax. It's a whole ball of wax that has to work together. Like they have to be clear in expectations, know what a pass and fail is, but there also has to be a culture that, I mean, the culture has to match what you're trying to, trying to achieve. Like if you're in a manufacturing plant, you probably don't have a culture of like, yeah, just get your work done when you can, right? Creativity and that kind of thing. No, that's that's a different it's a different type of thing. But if you're like in the Reed Hastings example, if you're working for Netflix and you're trying to be really extremely creative and compete and innovate in a space, like okay, your leadership might be more hands off, like a little bit less stress, right? So that you can be creative, but the stress is in a different way. And a lot of time, again, you hire good people; they'll they'll put the stress on themselves. But it's that understanding of like, we get so stuck on like, okay, it's just one thing, but it's everything has to work together. Here's a little, here's a food for thought for those of you that are listening. Inside of the book called The Four Disciplines of Ex Execution, they talk about the difference between lag and lead indicators. Mm -hmm. A lagging indicator, and this is again, a, a, an approach that I think does a fantastic job of exposing the difference between the way a company succeeds today 
versus the way companies are remembered as succeeding, right? A good example would be a lagging indicator in sales would be what, did, what were our numbers last month or last quarter? They will tell you what happened in the past, but they don't necessarily tell you what's going to happen in the future, which is always a problem inside of the sales organization, right? So to flip your mindset as a leader into lag from lag to lead indicators, it's what were the things that happened the most often when we brought on a new client? And then go chase those, those metrics. Is it we had lunch and learns? Is it certain partners? Is it certain areas? Like what are the things that lead to the result? Make those the, the, the cultural goals because the odds are that you will hit your revenue goals if you hit the steps before them. And again, that takes a whole different paradigm shift as well. If you own a small business or you're a leader inside of a, a larger organization, you have to be the person that sees the world differently if you want different results. I think that's a good segue into talking about accounted for, because it sounds like from what you said, you're a crystal ball, right? So the, mm -hmm. like different, like we get really stuck on leg measures because, but they're, they're in the past. Like we can't do anything about them. We can make decisions and learn from them, but we can't make decisions now off yeah. of it. It's not, a, it's not, a, they're, they're not indicators of what we're potentially going to do like this week or this month. Right? right. So having that, having that, that system and process or the software or the support asking for help from somebody like you to be able to see the, be more in the lead measure space to be able to make those decisions. So what, what do you do? So what, what accounted for, how would that help a company? How, how do you, how do you come in and how do you like truly like change and help and, yeah. and problems do you solve for companies? Well, I'll say this. Um, I spent a lot of time selling software mm -hmm. and there's a lot of software companies out there that spend an incredible amount of money. Mil hundreds of millions of dollars is spent on trying to convince the market that there's a problem to solve. And then the software that we created will solve the problem you don't know you have, right? So we call that vaporware. Let's look at the conversation about what's going on inside of the accounting industry. The accounting industry is burning on both sides of the candle. Uh, I think there's, there's a statistic I'm ballparking here. Somewhere around 70% of the certified public accountants in the United States are either at retirement age or will be in the next few years. 70%. If anybody is caught up to the idea that 2024 just started, they got to know 2023 flew by. So the next couple of years is essentially next week, right? So on the top end of accounting, all of the human capital, the majority of human capital is dying off. Not dying off, sorry, retiring. <laughs> on the other side of the candle, the number of students enrolling into accounting is lowering and lowering and lowering. The number of people that take the accounting test, which, by the way, I'm not an accountant, the, that allows them to be certified public accountants, is lowering and lowering and lowering. And at the very same time, there are more and more small businesses inside of the United States growing and growing. So there is a massive need for accounting. And Henry Ford was the one who taught everybody that if you wanted to increase labor, you needed technology. Mm -hmm. So what my founder, my buddy Sean did was he looked at the industry and thought, nobody is helping small business owners understand cash flow and help them recognize what their future is going to be like. 
So he started doing that, right? And this was a few years ago. And then he realized that he would in inherit all this pretty not so good quality bookkeeping information through QuickBooks. And so I'm, I don't know about you, but this is something I don't know if I'm capable of doing, but Sean wrote software that pulls the information out of QuickBooks, reconfigures, configures, reconfigurates it so that all the information is accurate, most of it, because there's always going to be some transactions that need a little explaining. But for the most part, we've improved the output of bookkeeping so that we can then take it, put it into the present moment. We bring in revenues. We bring in expenses. We sit down with the business owner. And we say, this is what your business looks like today. Most business owners don't understand accounting, nor should they. But the big opportunity is that CPAs talk about profit and taxes and finance people talk about something called EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and appreciation, right? But business owners talk about cash flow. And nobody's helping them understand how to achieve it and what to do with it when you get it. So that's the problem we solve. We take outdated, incorrect information that, from the past. We make it accurate in real time in the present. And then we talk through where do you want to go in the future. And if we build out the projections based off of your accurate past data, you're going to recognize that if X, you know, on an X, Y axis, X is time and Y is money, you can see your future. Mm -hmm. If you want that number to move, you want that year to get shorter and you want more money. Well, let's talk about how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And those are the coaching conversations that we have. It's really the most fun role I've had in my entire career because it solves a real problem. And our clients are ruthlessly in favor of working with us. We actually had a client, this is fun to me, for me to say, this is the first time I get to say this on a podcast. We had a client pay for their brother-in-law to work with us for his business for a year as a, as, a, as a Christmas gift. And I will tell you, you know, that's not, a, that's a, that's a really nice gift. I never got a gift that was that expensive. You know, it, we're not, we're not overly expensive, but in terms of Christmas gifts, that one's a pretty good one. That's it's a very uh, well. First of all, I, that's a very clear. That's a huge problem that you're solving, right? Because it's it's not just I mean understanding where your cash is, what your cash is doing for your business, but it's also it allows you to make decisions. It allows you to make much clearer decisions, much quicker decisions. Yeah. Like we said, leg and lead it allows you to make more proactive decisions. Which when you're at a pivotal part in your business, that is that could be everything. That could be life or death, right? For lack yeah. of a, and it could be. Absolutely. Well, here, let's tie it back to what we were talking about before. There's really, if you're a business owner, there's really only one way for you to have mental clarity. It's if you have financial clarity. Mm -hmm. If you wake up every day and you don't know how much money you have and you don't know how you're going to make payroll, you will mentally squeeze. You will get stressed. Your creativity will drop. Your health could drop. Everything drops except the stress. Once you see your numbers, whether or not they're pretty or not, you know what they are. I'll share with you. We have a client on the first conversation he had with me. He admitted that his CPA told him he made $270,000 worth of profit last quarter. And he had no idea where it was. 
Fast forward one month, five weeks, he's fully implemented. We've aligned everything. We've been able to project and start the process of where do you want to go? And here's the way that we're going to help you get there. And for what it's worth, we don't we don't profess to know how to do everything. That's why we have we have a great ecosystem. Again, mm -hmm. no one person is alone. No one company can work alone. And so we we really do surround our clients with really solid, smart people, whether or not they do what we do or they do something else they need. Amazing. I feel like that was a mic drop right there. Like there's so much people, if I, we just cut that out, people would get so much out of it. So I'm going to, I could, I could talk to you all day. This is such a, again, we, we brought you on the show for, for one reason. And then this has been such a great surprise. And I wasn't really surprised, but it's, it's been a great surprise for, for me, Keith, you're, 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 I say this, this is like a weird compliment I give people, but I'm glad you exist sort of thing. Like you're, you're very unique. I love the mission that you have. It sounds like we've read a lot of the same books more than once. Um, yeah. So it's been an amazing conversation and people are going to get a ton out of this, but there's two questions that I always end the podcast with. The first one, Keith, for you, what is the next summit that you are chasing? <laughs> I'm co-founding, I'm co-creating. It's already there in, in, we're getting there. A micro resort in Costa Rica for people to go down, renew, recharge and relax or relax, recharge, and renew. Um, uh, one of my closest friends, he was blessed uh, to become a surgeon, working his ass off, acquired a decent amount of property in a beautiful town in the jungle of Costa Rica. And for almost 30 years, he's been acquiring uh, property and we, we we're going to be ready to start renting out our first piece of our first house. We have two houses. We have four. Two of them are, are rentable. One's the farm and the other one our staff works at. So yeah, like the, that you asked, that's, that's, that's why I know what, I'm, where I'm going. That's the focal focus, which You're is another very part of clear. Oh, hundred. Oh, absolutely. Being so focused on what on what you want to achieve and being very clear and passionate about it. I don't know what I was expecting you to say, Keith, but that wasn't it. <laughs> that is so cool. And I will probably I'm going to do it. That is like now I have another focal point like I needed anymore is I need to come visit. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I love it, Keith. Um, last uh, last thing. Uh, take a minute. Plug whatever you want to plug. Where can people find you? Um, do you have anything else in the works? Go ahead. Well, Zach, I got to thank you for this conversation. Again, I, I didn't know what to expect, and I, I had an absolutely great time. I, I appreciate that you exist as well, so thank you. Thank um, you. If you ever need to get a hold of me, LinkedIn is the probably the easiest way. I could start rattling off a bunch of email addresses, but if you get to LinkedIn, you could find me. Um, just know, like, you know, it's not easy, but nothing worth it really is. And if you make the, so far as I'm concerned for anyone listening still, if you're in a position where you're willing to change the life you have because you want to be a better version of yourself, you can do it. You can do it. And the, the, the methods, you know, the, the conversation we had today talking about flow, flow is the great hack. You can get a lot of work done. You can get a lot of life done when you're in flow. So, you know, Find your flow. If you're stressed, reach out. You could reach out to me. I'll, I'll take any kind of conversation if it helps a person find what they want to do. I love talking to business owners. I love talking to individuals. Um, but yeah, just if, if, if I could ever help, 
That's my message. Let me know. And we're going to make sure people are listening to that because I'm probably going to put that at the beginning. So <laughs> anyways, Keith, again, I, I really, really appreciate it. And we're, we're probably going to have to do a part two at some point. There, there's, a lot more, there's a lot more for us to dig into, but I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed, you were inspired, you learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.